<laughs> Welcome to Foodcast. Today we have here with us Chris Maloney, over 20 years experience, head chef, everything possible in this world. <laughs> yeah, love fishing. Yes. Fresh Irish products. Yeah. Well, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ricardo. Uh, what's your weapon of choice today? Yeah, a bottle of. Wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> Alban. Is it Alban? Yeah. Oh, Bordeaux. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, you brought today the, the Marquise d'Alban Bordeaux Supre. Supre Per you, yeah, uh, sorry, my, yeah, yeah, okay, superior. reserve, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a good we stuff. Be reserved, that's the thing. <laughs> Chris, tell tell me, tell us a little bit about you. Tell me your story. Well, I was 16 when I started in uh, a veg prep kitchen. Uh, obviously, a friend of a friend knew someone that was stuck that needed help during the summer. So from that age on, kind of, I've been in and around kitchens. Yes. Uh, obviously, during the winter months, the, the prep area would go slack because obviously yeah. it went quieter. And then I moved up into the kitchen as a KP. Whoa. So But uh, that that here in Dublin? In, in Bray. In Bray? Yeah. Oh, lovely. And uh, which restaurant? Was it? it was actually the Esplanade Hotel. Oh. Which is still there today, but I don't think it's up. They rename now. Yeah. No, no. Oh, there's, the building sti is not the, the, the yeah. still there. Yeah. It's still there, yeah. yes. Yeah. And then you become a KP. Yeah. Whoa. And how that Yeah. went? I, I loved it. Uh, I loved working in kitchens. So uh, I suppose then from the KP, I stayed there. Then I got trained up by a chef called Derek Cooling to do veg prep, making desserts. Derek was previously the head pastry chef in Lacrovan. Ooh. Oh, so after, I think by the time I was 18, I think I probably had about five teeth left. I'm eating the desserts. <laughs> oh, they were just delicious. And from there, uh, where you went? Well, I went to Colt Grove Street when I finished school on yeah. CERT, the yeah. two-year program. Uh, I've also done uh, sugar work in DIT Kevin Street. Oh, And nice. I also have two years finance and accounts degree done in DBS. So I've, I've been to a few places. Uh, you know, Done me training, I think. Of you know, it's 42 years of age to 16. 42? Yeah. I thought it was 26, 17 yeah, years yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. like me, 26. Yeah, yeah, we're 26. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. long run already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, they do get a good run at it. And like you went uh, from Bray, and then where you went after Bray? <coughs> like uh, you started there, uh, start to build up your experience, mm -hmm. and then. Uh, what was the next for you there? How, how like was natural or something you want to do or just start to happen and you just following? Well, you see, there was one time uh, I was helping a photographer. He lived up the road, two doors up the road. And yeah. I must have been probably about six or seven. And he says to me, he says, Chris, what are you going to be when you're older? And I says, a chef. And I thought nothing more of it, nothing until probably I was in me, 30s late 30s and I said I remember saying that, that I was going to be a chef and now what am I like you forget these things you know because it's been a long time 
And these things have a way of coming back and going, oh God, I realise I, I said that. So would I change anything? Probably not. <laughs> and then like uh, you you start cooking and then like yeah. uh, what what's the first thing you start to cook? Like uh, and it, your first actually um, big job for you. Where was the turn? Because like you start something natural when you were 16 yeah. and you keep going. Well, I think what I found was where I, I started working in the Esplanade at 16. By the time I was 18, I was sous chef. Really? Yeah. Wow. So uh, then when you're applying for other jobs and you've had that sous chef experience of running kitchens in the absence of the head chef, they kind of look, you can't put a young you can't put a wise head on young shoulders so yeah. you, you nearly weren't taken serious because you were only 18 and you had the experience but I found that a very hard gap to bridge the fact that I was only 18 and I had all that experience so it, I, I kind of was being brushed aside but you know I didn't give up you know I was 26 when I took took my first head chef position well and where was that that was up in Carlingford a place called Ghana House nice which is was lovely because uh, we grew all around herbs and spices and things like that because we had the facilities it was like a little mini Ballymaloo oh so you could go out to the back garden pick your lemon balm pick your chervil pick your chives wait till the chives bud so you could do all that and that's and there was a lovely woman there now, she used to own it, but her son ran it. And her name, I forget her name, Joyce, I, Joyce, I think it was. A world of knowledge. So if I wanted to know something, or she wanted a, something I didn't know, like champagne rhubarb, was when it was in season, when it wasn't in season, because we would t- toffee it. Oh, yeah, you know nice. I mean? So we'd send it out nearly crystallized, things like that. And that's where I think I loved cooking. And that was beginning 2000s, correct? Uh, 2006. Yeah, just in the middle of the, like, not middle, close to the end of the boom of the Irish, mm. uh, the tiger, uh, tiger, no, Irish Cal- tiger, Celtic, Celtic tiger. tiger, yeah, brain, wake mm. up. Yeah, so, mm. uh, it, so wasn't that boom where the knowledge people was absorbing? I was saying that uh, with Gary in, in, uh, another day. Because the, the, the major, when it came to Ireland was the same time, mm. you couldn't find our chefs in the kitchen. Yeah. Because uh, you you were product of the beginning of the Celtic Tiger. Celtic Tiger. Yeah. So you involved and grew. And then the mm. kids kind of like disappeared. They, yeah. they didn't, the uh, Irish kids, they didn't get in. And like yeah. that's something I was saying to Gary uh, was about like the products, the let's say affiliation to learn and show your own food was mm. very difficult to interpret and like the way you're showing saying is like what you could do and then mm. what you're doing yeah and did you did you notice you start to notice like in some stage like your you probably start to work with more foreigners in the kitchen in 2006 than actually with Irish people yeah you see in the country not but yeah, like but you see what was happening is they're building a hotel a day yeah back in the boom time but they didn't have the staff to yeah to, to man these positions. So your kitchen porter now was your uh, senior commie chef because <laughs> he, he just was watching what other people were doing. But, you know, are they professionally trained? We're probably the last breed of professionally trained chefs that will ever mm-hmm. 
working kitchens because nowadays if you see the caliber of commie chefs coming in yeah they're they're not properly trained and unfortunately with the way places have gone that if you take a job you're busy 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 to try and teach other people it's not that easy anymore yeah because oh yeah you could have the language barrier or are they really interested because you're going to invest your time your energy into showing people the proper way food should be done but that's not that's going to be a dying breed oh yes I I really think so I think it's going to get harder um, I don't know uh, the kind of people you need to attract in a kitchen. I think those days would be basically like uh, the local boys. They 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 don't want that hard work. No, it's being very difficult. Mm. As I said to Gary, like always oh, in the uh, hard times, you create strong people. Mm. You have strong people. Strong people make good times. Good times mm. make soft people. Soft people make hard times. Yeah, you know, like it's like as. Uh, vicious circle mm. i think we are going now to the uh, we are the good times we create mm. now we are suffering yeah and then i think that will create the next breed mm. and but you, you have a point on the the case like the language barrier etc i remember in like beginning 2010s uh my kitchen i could face the back of the tortons mm. and uh i was there Uh, I got a coming chef was very difficult to find. I got a coming chef to come to work for me uh, in 2012, 13. Yeah. And the guy came to do the trial and he nailed. And I said, man, he's too good to be true. And mm. then he used, he worked for Turtles, mm. you know. And then I call uh, Kevin and I call there and mm. then he pick up the phone. And I said, oh, well, I have uh, that person here and... Uh, why? Why let him go? Like he, yeah. he can do everything, and like he do your prep, everything. Why he want to come to work for me? You have two Michelin stars yeah, in the door. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. And he came to me and said, Ricardo, he never touch any food here, and I would not let him to touch the food. Mm. So why? Because he's my KP. I said what? <laughs> he's just here, like the guy is nailing. Mm. He said, uh, Look, don't get him. He's lying to you. I said, okay, I didn't get him in the end because of mm. the lie. Yeah. Because before that, I went to him and said, well, tell me, what do you do? And when I started to see, I said, why he's not giving you opportunity if you didn't know that? Yeah. And he kept saying, oh, no, I don't have opportunity to grow. I said, mm. you, you know, knowing him. Yeah. But like, as you said, that uh, time of people observing and going, yes. like if that guy come to me and said, look, I'm a KP there and I observe, but I don't have opportunity to go to the, the line. Yeah. I, I would hire him. Yeah, you the guy nail because he's interested. Yes, The, like, but it's so I'll, difficult I'll now. I'll tell you right. Uh, when I went to cert, we had ten classes. Okay, ten mm -hmm. full classes. The first three months. The second three months, we had eight. By Christmas, we were down to two. Whoa. So you get all these people coming into this industry that think, oh yeah, watching Gordon Ramsay do his thing <laughs> on the telly, uh, all the chefs on the telly, making it look so easy because they're not showing the full process of how to get to there. Yeah, TV show. What, yeah, what it takes to get that food to that point, the, what prep is required and what techniques are required and everybody thinks they can do it. Yeah. Right, so then they come into the uh, college The college starts to teach them. Then they realize, oh, this is actually very hard. And then they just 
Lip drop in. Yeah, you can hide. You need to deliver. Yeah. In the end of the day, you have your time to start, finish, and deliver the food. If there's no food in the end, you're out. Yeah. It's pressure all the time. Mm. And then in my case, because I had three years experience mm -hmm. working in kitchens, I was actually bored because I had gone through these processes. Like we were taught how to shallow fry, deep fry, you know, braise. You know, these were all the pro cooking processes that we all had to go through. Yeah. And, you know, do we actually use these techniques? No. No. Those is literally half of the things yeah. come in a package already. Exactly. So this is this is why there's no this no skill left in yeah. it. And that takes all the skill out of it. Like, you know, I like fishing. Oh, yes. Uh, I love working with fish. Most of my menus would be kind of seafood orientated. And because fish is just, it cooks very quick. It's easy to get out. So, you know, no one's But it's easy to mess up if you don't know how to cook. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Let's take lemons or Dover soap. Oh, yeah. Right. Very expensive. But a fish that's beautiful, a fish that is cooked right, you just can peel it off the bone. And you have to serve it on the bone. Don't, it has to come out fully loaded. Yeah. You know, just with a grill. I worked in a lovely Italian restaurant. And to be fair to the woman, we always had fresh, fresh fish. Whether it be three or four Dover sole, whether it be four or five lobsters. And it's all cooked to order. And, you know, to see that now, you won't see it now. For no, it's very it's rare. Very, very rare, but gone very expensive to buy in. Oh, tell like, me. What's monkfish sitting at now? Probably 28, 29 euros a kilo. Yeah, correct. That's, that's more than a beef. I was village. in Hove today morning. Were you? Yeah, yeah. I went oh, there, up there. And like, uh, I have a friend of mine there, uh, Jonathan mm. uh, Wright. Yes. And I was there and then I just went around, you know, like got mm. some, um, uh, what I got today there? Some calamari, just eating there in the yeah, front, there yeah. in the front. Some oysters mm -hmm. for the kids who were the first time. It was quite, quite funny to see that. Mm. Uh, but like the freshness and like the price. I, I went there and something's wrong here. <laughs> What's that? I think you had as as for zero. A bar, a bar of gold, you're yeah, buying. Yeah, you yes. Know, it, it, it's, it's just, and it's a pity because with the way things are at the moment, it's going to be unobtainable for a lot of people. They, they just can't go out and pay 30 30 40 quid for a piece of fish you know but yeah it's going to be a nice piece of fish done well you know what i mean yes i i think the direction with the animal protein mm. in the next couple of years probably would be more change the culture yes. because before it was a big massive steak 10 ounces yeah, in your plate yeah. you know like 10 ounces or even 16 ounces whatever like something big, big. Yeah, now yeah. you start to reduce if you see chicken breast Yes. We used to get about like four or five years ago, the chicken breast used to be about six to seven ounces. Yeah. Now it's four to five. Yeah. yeah. And then people, oh, you're still getting the, uh, the same chicken breast. Yes. But uh, nobody's telling you you lose about 50, 50 grams yeah. to keep the price. But the price of the four or five ounces now, mm. okay, uh, the, the past year, the inflation is so high now, it's 25% yeah. higher the price. Mm. It's ridiculous. But I, I, I think. If you have something like that, uh, I, I imagine as uh, Japanese cuisine, mm. their main food is not the animal protein. Yeah. That's just a side. That's yeah. just a extra mm. in uh, to uh, bring your palate yeah. together. Not something like you're gonna feast on that and say, okay, mm. uh, the sides, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah.
I think that's the way probably we will start to go. Yeah, but even down to secondary cuts, like the brisket, the butt, the neck, like that's what's going to come around now. They're going to be the new rib eye, the new fillet steak, because they're cheaper. Oh, but yes. But they're not as cheap, but they should be. The, compared to a fillet they're steak. cheaper but you need to put a little more work, work in yes but then come the paradox here we, yes, we have exactly. right now yeah like where is the people can actually transform that uh, piece of meat in something fantastic because it's easy to cook mm. but at the same time it's difficult to deliver mm. what you want yeah you know like uh, it's the kind of cut that you cook to eat there and then it's mm -hmm. not a, it's not a piece a cut that you can Oh, let's ha hole it. Oh, you, you, know, can't. you can't. You can't. You can't. It, it has to be eaten. Is a minute. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, we could talk here about CUV. You know, <laughs> the, we could CUV 20 them, you know what I mean? And take them out. Just finish off, bang. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, some of the things that I've seen over the years in, in the industry is uh, I've seen people CUV top rib. Okay. For twenty four hours. And yeah, now, yeah. How many? Uh, how many degrees? Uh, sixty three. Sixty three. Some. Okay. All right. So and then just finish off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, probably could uh, beefy ribs or pork no, ribs. No, top rib. A top rib. A top okay. Yes. Top rib. Yeah, could work. It uh, could could work. Like, um, I think technique is something very important. Mm. I uh, I truly believe in technique. Yeah. Um. I remember I want to do here a couple of years ago. I want to get. I got um, what I got was brisket. Yes. But I couldn't do. I didn't have the time because I was working so mm. much. I didn't have the time to start to cook, mm. or a hot box to leave there for yeah. eight degrees yeah. for uh, forty eight hours. Mm. So I I CUV the I vacuum pack mm. CUV here at home for uh, for seventy two hours. Yeah. Uh, forty eight degrees. After that, I open the package, use this the liquid to make a sauce, yeah. and I got the brisket and put in the grill in the hot fire. Mm. Just give it that nice color, right, yeah. and the sauce just finish off. I swear to God, the brisket was like canned floss. Yeah, you put it in your mouth and disappear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I believe technique is something very important. Like when people say, what's the difference between a fine dine and yeah. McDonald's? I would say they're the same. Yeah. The difference is McDonald's is, is so consistent, become yeah. boring. But uh, the technique they use there, you can go to anywhere in the world and ask for a Big Mac, it would be exactly the same. same. And the consistency is what we achieve or we look for oh. when we are uh, chefs in the, in the fine dine. Yeah. You want a consistency. Yeah. But at the same time, you need to create more oh. often. So yeah. uh, the technique 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 yeah that's the but difference th but then as well people ha need to understand what they're working with and i think 90 percent of the time they don't understand oh yeah yeah you like uh you'd know the cuts i'd know yeah. the cuts but would someone else coming in just would they understand that cut of meat and would they know how how to work with it well yeah it is it's shocking yeah. Those those days, even the kids here in the neighborhood, like uh, they, they don't eat the vegetables. Yeah. I remember, uh, like we were before we got our allotment, we used to plant in the garden, mm -hmm. and we plant baby carrots, 
and then we harvest some was summertime about this time of the year uh, we wash some still with the stem and the kids look I said oh my kids and said ah can I have I just wash mm. brush it off I said here and they start to eat and I went to to the street come back after two three minutes with another like five or six kids <gasps> we want and then I said okay here start to give a carrot to all the kids and then and then five minutes later, I see the parents taking pictures like like monkeys in the zoo. Yeah. <gasps> Look, they're eating vegetables, taking pictures. Uh, and then come to the part, like even the joke in the kitchen. Well, go and find for salmon legs. Yeah. Like, yeah. and people, oh, yeah, I'm going to look for salmon legs. They're like, what? Yes. That yeah. did not exist. But then, uh, as you said, back to technique. I was at a wedding in a lovely four-star hotel. And the side veg was baby carrots. Mm-hmm. They weren't even appealed. Oh my god! Like you know, no, it was brochure at no, least or anything. No, it was nothing. just like no. Which normally the way I would do them is throw them into a pot, boil water. Was baby carrots? Yeah, baby carrots. Right? All right. A little bit of salt in the water. Take them out into a ice bath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get my let them cool. Get my tea towel and just rub the skin off. Yeah. Quickest way. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're there. They're ready. But not even peeled. I was like, oh my god! And these they, lovely hotel, but you know, there we're back to technique again. There we're back to properly being trained. It's not happening. Oh my god! And like going back a little, mm. like uh, as I know, you you love fishing. Yeah. You have your boat. Yeah. You go to the sea to fish mm. your own fish. Mm. Uh, where starts that passion with fish? Well, you see, I'm originally from Bray, so yeah. we had the harbour. We yeah. had the pier as well. Obviously now they've done all the coastal erosion program. So that's the pier isn't there. Uh, I think I we used to go down with hand lines. Yeah. And we'd just fish. And then I remember one of my uncles from Dublin coming out to Greystones. And him catching lovely big place. And he would catch four or five of them. You know what I mean? And we'd be watching them sitting there. Because obviously we didn't fish. We were too young at that time. Yeah. And you, he was fishing right over the wall, which Greystones used to be great for fishing. The likes of uh, place and things like that. Uh, not so good now. Nowhere, no harbours are good for fishing anymore because they're, they're seals in every one of them. And Oh yeah, the seals, uh, uh, yeah, uh, the uh, tourists seal, yeah. fed them, so feed now them. they feed whatever they yeah. find. And if you go to Cloggerhead Harbour, there's a family of seals there because the fishermen come in with the boats, uh, debone all them, uh, what and you just, call it? Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes they might come in, an oil leak on the prawns, they have yeah. to chuck them back in because oh. they can't be sold. And yeah. the main thing that's caught around Cloggerhead would be the likes of monkfish and things yeah. like that because it's it's a sandy all up that coastline. So it's very, uh, should shellfish, you get a lot of shellfish there. Mm-hmm. So that's what, then when you come down past kind of Holt, it's kind of rocky, you get the kind of different types of species of fish uh, probably the best fish I ever caught was I was sitting on Greystones uh, outside the Latouche Hotel yeah. I was sitting there fishing and I was just away away with myself for a while just, <laughs> just chilling and then the rod just went boom boom and I, I, I was that excited about this fish I had to give it to one of my friends to reel it in really? yeah I was just I was overwhelmed I was like I can't believe it and he reeled it in, and it was a sea bass, and he was about that size. Now, to be fair, his head was bigger, 
yeah, the yeah. head, they, this big mass of mouth. Because certain times of the year they come in, and they crack the muscles. Yeah. Off the rocks, so that's why you get them close in. At I didn't know Sibaz eating the muscles. Yeah. Whoa. So, at, it's like uh, we were fishing off uh, Wicklow. We took a charter, and uh, we were we were all just dipping and uh, jigging. Yeah. Right, and my friend had his. He was had a tricep mackerel head on it and five minutes later he's pulling in a, a tope a massive tope uh, I've fished in let me see I fished in South Africa I fished in LA I fished in Lanzarote all sea all sea and I fished down Connemara and probably the best place I fished was Connemara we didn't go there. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't you don't have to go to all these exotic places. Yeah. Yeah. To catch good fish. Like we were catching nice two foot pollock. Yeah. And I have a rule. If it's not over a certain size, she goes back in. Because yeah. I'm not one of these people that oh this this little fish about this size comes out. There's no there's no right to take that fish. Because what's it gonna feed? I love I like to eat fish. Yeah. But I'm the only one in my house that would eat it. Yeah. So I end up what the last time when I caught a load of fish down Connemara, I ended up using them in the restaurant. Wow. Because the, and all I did was just clean them out, full body, pe- score them, yeah. keep, take the head off, and just serve them whole. Oh, because, yummy. Because they're fresh. Like, you don't need to do too much with them. Like, it's all about their natural flavours. And I always find uh, when you get fish in, the deeper water a fish swims, the more meatier it becomes. Say again? If the fish swims, yeah, a deeper, deeper, deeper fish yeah. are more meatier. Okay? All right. So you look at halibut. Yes. Right? Compared to place. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you, right. The difference, yeah, is yeah. totally different fish. A totally different. Yeah, yeah, flavor profile. Uh, exactly. The whole protein structure is so different. But they're the exact same flat fish. Yeah. If one swims at 50 metres and one swims at 20 metres, regardless of each size, the place is more delicate. Yes. And the texture is not as hard. Or yes. T- it's, it's tender. It's yeah, not as meaty. I, I remember as, uh, one of the... Uh, no, I don't remember the name of the fish. Of course, I will not remember now. Uh, there's a fish I um, use for events, like people like more meaty food, mm. more meaty. Probably paramundi. No, no, I used to get from uh, Mediterranean, South That's Mediterranean. Uh, I, I forgot the name of the fish, but like when you eat, it's like you're eating meat. It's yeah. very, not heavy, but like it's, it's meaty. Yeah. And it's dense. Mm. And it's a deep water fish. Yeah. I, no, no. But you find the name now. Yeah, but you see, that's what people don't realize. You know, the different different levels of understanding of, you know. Yes. And we're back to technique. Yeah. You know what I'm saying to you. So, if you know that you get a halibut in, he's going to be harder to work on. Yes. Where if you get a place in, he's more delicate to work on. You don't have to go butchering it. Like now, you're saying oh, all that about like uh, lack of technique now. Mm. It's been difficult to come down, you know, like to, with better chefs. 
And if you want to serve pl uh, fish those days, what kind of fish you would recommend to use today, let's say, with a low skill chef? Because as you said, if you get a place or you get like a, a, a turbo. Turbot. Yeah, turbo. Yeah, turbo. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, my pronunciation. Run. Yeah, run. Yeah. <laughs> turbo. Uh, if you don't know how to cook, you're going to destroy the fish. It's a delicate fish. Yeah. Like, uh, what you would do in your menus to get something like, let's say, fucked up free? Right. Well, you want to leave the skin on. Yes. Okay. And you want good char on that skin. Okay. And why you would keep the skin on, let's say, for people don't understand right, why. Because if you slightly overcook it, the yeah. skin will hold it. Hold the fish. Hold the fish together. Yeah. Where if, if you took the skin off and you overcook it and you try and lift it. It would just flick. Yeah, and then you can't serve it. Yes. You know, so to, to have a little bit of skin on it will just help it to stay together. You know, I don't see it. And it's, it's just presentation piece as well just to leave the skin on i feel anyway as long as it's descaled yes you know i remember first tasting descaled skin really yeah i can't remember where i was working was it the imi in sandyford and the chef had the descaling the salmon yeah and he says to me he says now i I'm, i must be in about 20 at this stage and he says have a taste of this so he gets it he fries it and I had a taste of it and it didn't taste like fish yeah because when you do scaly you're taking all that kind of scaly yeah. fishy flavor out of it so it's not wrong and salmon is is lightly sweet yes uh, like I like a lot of uh, I, I, I love Japanese cuisine mm. and something they do is the salmon skin yes Basically, uh, like now we start to come the sushis to our, mm. now the past 10, 15 years, yeah. we start to have more sushi places. But when the Brazilians came over, they start to bring the barbecue, uh, wasn't it? Brazilian barbecue. Yeah, and, but like they brought the sushi as well, because right. it is uh, like the second place. Uh, if you want to find more Japanese out of Japan, you go to Brazil. Right. And specifically Sao Paulo. Right. You have over 22 million people there, like descendants of Japanese. Mm. In Sao Paulo, there's an area called Liberties. Right. It's over a million people lives there. All the signs on the street when you drive around is in Japanese mm. and Portuguese. <laughs> the signs, the lamps on the streets are all the, you know, the Chinese lamps, as mm. we call here Chinese lamps. That's so in Brazil, you call Japanese lamps. Yes. Uh, when you see somebody like Asian look, Mm. Uh, a looking person in uh, anywhere you say oh look a Japanese mm. here you say oh look Asian or something like that but exactly. in Brazil is like Japanese mm. and like they do a lot use a lot so you do the tare you mm. know like the sweet uh, sweet soy sauce, sauce yeah. and then you just brush over the skin mm. and you cook that and you put it in your, in your um, um, how to call it now the rice with the seaweed around would be your nigiri yeah sushi rice yeah sushi rice but you put uh, make the nigiri you know yeah, like the yeah, round one right. with just a bowl you have normally your your salmon but you yeah, put your skin. skin oh chris start salivating just to think about <laughs> it the umami on that and that that's a very gentle flavor of fish mm. is something very delicate yes. and like i think people do 
underestimate the qualities of a fish like sometimes the skin they they beat it mm. like uh, the way i see is like when you get a fish you have your meat goes mm. as without saying you have your bones mm. you have the depend the size of the fish and the kind of fish mm. you have the cheeks of the yeah. fish you have uh, your skin and mm. the guts you can use as well depending on the kind of fish of course yes. uh, so you can make at least five dishes mm. out of one fish yeah. and then like those days that's the part where are the techniques how we can bring that technique back to the to the new generation coming in the kitchen how you dealing with that because for you is a difficult part with i i think you know you got to see passion down in people if you don't see passion they won't want technique you know i t- i just find it, there's not enough young people coming into our industry and i think i think when we got rid of cert when we had the crash in 2008 i think that affected you know this society like Yeah, don't get me wrong, I don't cert, but cert can be also a stepping stone for someone who maybe isn't the brightest person, but actually they can go in here, learn how to cook. It's it's a hands-on job. Yeah, there is some technique mentally that you have to kind of keep saying to yourself, your timing, your you know, when not to do something and when it's cooked. You know, but like I find now they aren't there. There's no there's no next generation coming through as <clears throat> there is but their their viewers how you think it would attract more uh, like uh, being a cook is not easy no it is the opposite of easy yeah and people those days they just want to ease life mm-hmm. you know they're like after the pandemic now it starts to grow more than no work uh, um, how they call that i just listened a couple of days ago in a podcast was um no work um, movement yeah. people just don't want to work yeah uh, but you have other people coming around now how how you attract the right talent and bring the right talent i un- understand now like uh, the necessity make people go to the kitchen mm-hmm. uh, come for passion is very difficult uh, you see at least i can notice that probably you do the same the kind of uh, there is a certain uh, pattern mm-hmm. in the chefs you need not be right in your mind no normally your creative minds yeah. normally to come to the kitchen how we attract those people the right people to come to the kitchen do, do you if you knew probably you would have the yeah, kitchen full we, of people yeah, but like yeah. do you have an idea uh, what would be the next step how would you bring people in well we got to look at the social aspect of the job And you'd know yourself from working in kitchens. You don't have a social. Well, social. Yeah. Are are we social? Yeah. <laughs> we are social, but yeah. yeah, there's no social life. Yes. Yeah, and that's 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 what I think. I think you know. They're talking about bringing people to a four-day working week. You know what I mean? Yeah. To make life a little bit easier. Get more attractive as yeah, well. Yeah, more attractive. If we had more people in the industry that could allow one and four weekends off you know what i mean that you're not constantly working every weekend because all your friends are working on computers they're working as a carpenter electrician and you know certainly yeah the money's not great for the hours that you commit oh maybe, yeah maybe that's something that should be looked at an um, actual like a, a union as such because if you train as a, an electrician 
you train as a carpenter. Like they're union and, and there's a structure in place. Yeah. For this to happen. You know, and I don't think enough places offer that structure to trainees. If you take us an eighteen year old, he loves cooking, didn't do well in his leaving cert, didn't get the points he wanted to do whatever his first choice would have been, but he still loves cooking. And he decides then maybe I'll do the cooking route, you know. So when he goes into a kitchen, there's no process for him. There's no tears for him to work or achieve to goals. Um, I think majority of the people come to the kitchen. They believe, uh, I, I passed many people mm. through my career, probably you did the same. They said, I worked 10 years in the kitchen. I'm ready to be a sous chef. And you look as how you barely can cook the breakfast. You know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like sometimes people think, <laughs> yeah, people just yeah, uh, just yeah. think like it's a time. You you did your time. That means you can go to the next level. Uh, they believe it's the same for any any business. I would say the same. You know, you could be a rocketing engineer for ten years. You're de designing rockets, mm. but if you're not good, you're not going. You will not go yeah. up. Simple as yeah. Uh, like now. Uh, I know is uh, is not forgiven the, the the our our industry. Uh, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Uh, to grow is very difficult. You uh, like in the top. If you see who is in the top with the good salaries, and you look and say, "Wow, I want to be like Gordon Ramsay." Come on, if you count per country and say how many Gordon Ramsays between brackets you have in each country let's put each country in the world has five Gordon Ramsay yeah and then that's not true yeah mm. uh, in average yeah you can go here and on and start to count uh, like level Gordon Ramsay yeah mm. uh, let's put five you have 200 odd countries in the world mm. times five done here you have a thousand jobs in your around the world you can get of course it's more if you go to us brazil yeah, like yeah. big countries you're gonna have more but uh nevertheless my point is that is the one percent yeah. it's the same thing about the rich and the poor but it is that one percent that commit to go and have that drive to mm. go like uh, uh something i heard from a speaker uh, many years ago was uh you do uh, you want to something if you really want something you mm. forgot to eat and people normally look at me and said you're very skinny to be a chef probably you hear the same yeah, but, but like in the oh. end of the day it, it is it's like athletes yes. i say we are like athletes if you're really good you'll be fit you'll be yeah. like if you see the best chefs in the world those days they're as skinny as us. us yeah yes because they're mentally always thinking yes of the next thing and i do have to laugh about this ricardo right uh, my wife would, uh, you know, when we got married, oh, what does your new husband do? Oh, he's a chef. <laughs> oh, you must get lovely dinners. You must get this and that. And I'd be like, no, she doesn't. Okay. I believe the painter down the road doesn't come home from work and start painting his house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, don't I don't mind cooking at home, but, you know, we're so used to having the combi oven. The six ring burner, the all the spices, all the herbs, a nice uh, pantry, you know, with everything in it. And then all of a sudden, you go home, you're looking in the fridge, you're going, oh, damn, do I have to use that, do I? You know, <laughs> you know, and, and that's why when I got home, I'm like, oh, 
pizza hut. Fuck, thank you. You know, yeah, yeah. because I'm doing it all day. I don't want to go home and start cooking again because I like to do it right. So that's going to take time. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So so the easiest thing is McDonald's, takeaway, I'm happy. You know, <laughs> and, and people say, that's wrong. But a calendar doesn't go home and start building you know, wooden houses. We, we say in Portuguese in a uh, house of uh, ironsmith. Right. The the cutlery will be made of wood. Wood. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but like now you said something interesting to to ask. Uh, normally I ask that in any interview I do. Mm. But uh, like I, I like that. Uh, what's comfort food for you? Well, you see, comfort food to me is the food that I would have grown up with. Yes. You know, whether it be... Something who hug you when you eat. Yeah. What, what would it be would that it be, for you? Would it be sausage mash and beans? Would it be waffles, beans and eggs? Waffles? Yeah. Like, oh. really simple, simple stuff would actually hug me. And they would have been the stuff that, you know, I remember growing up, we would have... And maybe this was what got me interested. Now, my mother wouldn't be the best cook. And I'd be the first to say it. Really? She, yeah. She'd, years ago, she'd ring me and ask me questions. Like housekeepers cut a beef, right? Yeah, if you yeah. Find yeah. a supermarket, you either burn the bejesus out of it. Now you can curse it. There's no yeah, problem. Or it's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what you said to her is, what you do is cook it, not fully, slice it up, put it in your Pyrex dish, try throw your gravy over, leave it in the oven for twenty minutes. So it's not going to be dry. It's going to be lovely and moist when you take it out. So, and now she keeps doing that go to my mother's roast beef and that's how she serves her roast beef now and I suppose going back to that when I was growing up every Sunday at six o'clock it had to be six o'clock we were brought in and the food was full of treats whether it be you know that flans you buy the flan base you can buy them in the supermarkets and you fill them with cream and then you can put your mandarins or your yeah, strawberries yeah, yeah, you know yeah. them soft sponge flans right yeah we them There'll be chocolate biscuits, there'll be the jam tarts. You couldn't have a party without a jam tart, <laughs> right? And then there'll be all kidney <clears throat> biscuits and all that. And that was every Sunday in my house at six o'clock sharp. You were always there for that. Any reason? Looking back now, like a w with a different perspective, uh, why your parents used to do that or your family in general? Well, maybe it's a generational thing. Because I don't know what they did when yeah. they were growing up. But maybe because we're all generational. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, like you do things that your parents would have done. Yeah. Like the, the way I see is like that. Every generation you do something to your child that you didn't have yes. or something you would like to have. Yes. And like when I see that is like a treat. Why? Uh, and in my perspective, I see what I grew mm. up and then I show my kids. Like things, they, uh, I didn't have much when I was yes. a child. Okay, I have a few things like now we went to Holes. Mm. I was looking for crab. Right. For a simple reason. When I was a child, my mom used to go, we used to go to the seaside um, mm. from Sao Paulo. Mm. So Sao Paulo is about 800 meters above yes. sea level. So you go down the, the, the hill, mm. lively, <laughs> and then you go to Santos uh, or anywhere in the, uh, the mm. seafront. And then the way back, you have the people uh, just literally in the motorway with um, broom, with 
like a tea with the uh, crabs hanging alive. They yeah. used to go to the bogs and get like because it's not sea crabs. It's like it's kind of a hybrid. Yeah. They live in the bogs in the base. Mm. So they go there literally in the mud and start to take the crabs and they just tie them in robes and put in and sell alive. Mm. And going back home, my mom just washed them off and throw inside the pot. And yeah. then they are just fighting to get out of the pot with yeah, hot water. Yeah. And and after that, you just with a little hammer, sit around the table, was a plask match. And then you just go and eat the hell of it. Mm. It's actually very just to think about. Yeah, would you see? That, that's the, that's something I, I think about memory. To bring memory to your kids or next yes. generation. Mm. And like... Sometimes uh, that's what I say uh, with the young chefs. Mm -hmm. uh, when they're outside and they want to be a waiter and said, I get the same money as the guy is cleaning the tables there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm here, you know, work my ass off yeah. for the same money. Mm -hmm. And uh, getting shouted at. Yeah. That's not fair. No. And then that's the point of uh, saying in two years time, that guy is still cleaning tables and you're going to have a... Uh, literally I'm paying you to get a professional or become a, a professional, professional. Yeah. and how you attract them to learn that palette because those days I have people come to work for me just because of that because this is not about the money it's mm. about learning because they know outside there people just put the apron on you and say go I think I think now everything revolves around money yeah. you know even even to this day talking to some people whether they get a euro more somewhere else you know i always found training uh when you went to work for the likes of marriott i worked for marriott in 2004 in uh enfield lovely yeah. hotel when it was married and you worked for the name you could, you, oh yeah you could go work in your three star for an extra 1500 a year you know because it was a lesser star you know, but these companies, you work for the name. You know oh, yes, I mean? yes. So I kind of find now, you know, don't, not everything is money. Because if you train under the right people, that'll all come. You know what I mean? That'll come in spades. Like, you get the right teaching, the right, you know, attitude from the right person. And if you don't get that, if you're in and out, I always like to spend a year in a job. Just over a year, mm -hmm. you know, because when you finish college, you're trying to get as, absorb as much. But I found that you want to stay in the f high ends of the levels of cooking to be, get that little the little tricks of the trade. You know what I mean? From the older generation, I I remember coming across a man up in at Boy. He was eighty something, still working. Well, as a chef. As a chef. God, poor man. Yeah. And then <laughs> uh, my last head chef position, uh, there's a man of 74, still runs, works the carvery. Now, fair enough, he comes in at 12 and he finishes at 3. But oh, he's earned that right. He's earned yeah. it. From someone like myself who, who looked, I, I looked and went, oh my God, I'd be well retired. You know, to still be doing it. Now, yeah, he's more hacking and yakking over to the customers but he's still <laughs> there you know and and that's great to see uh his wife died a year before year oh, so it's probably his little way of release because he only does three hours but 
you know, to see that, you know, you should respect that. And a lot of young people wouldn't respect that because that's the job they want. They want to do 12 to 3. That's not going to happen, <laughs> buddy. If if he man goes, you're working 7 to 3. You, you know what I mean? And that that's already like out of the reality. Yeah. Out of the reality. Like those days, the chefs, they just come in, come out, and they don't care. Yeah. Like to attract them and keep them is very difficult. Mm. And like that that's the part I look now and the, uh, uh, to to get the chefs to build in. Mm. And I said, I prefer to get uh, not, nothing against anyone, but like uh, I have like, we have like chefs, mm. local chefs with the same mentality, but it's very rare. Mm. It's easy to get like foreigners the way I see, because one, number one, they don't have family here. They don't have friends, mm. number two, and they don't have anything else. The only thing they know is job. Mm. And then at the end of the day, they are in a foreign country. Now is the most expensive country to live yeah. in Europe. Mm. In Europe is Ireland. Yeah. So uh, to pay your rent, pay your bills, like mm. with a minimum wage, is very difficult if you do 40 hours. Yeah. If you want to save a little bit of money, you need mm. more than that. Yeah. And then that's the moment you get people to come in yeah. and do their job. And that when I go around, I look and say, okay, uh, who is not local? <laughs> Who put the hand up? I said, you. Or even if people say, you know, like, uh, oh, okay, how many years? I normally look after that when yeah. I get juniors. Uh, how many years do you live in, in Ireland? Ah, two, three. Mm, okay, next. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, if you get someone like that, they already have a lifestyle. Mm. They have friends. They, they start to create, uh, we are social beings. Mm. The moment you start to create social, uh, social interaction, you start to look and say, hell no, I'm going to clean the tables for the same money. Yeah. But even even like that, Ricardo, when I was what growing up, and my friends were going out to nightclubs in Dublin and things like that, and I'm working the weekend, it didn't really bother me. You never thought change? No, because I was doing something I really really enjoyed doing, you know, and yeah, they were off out spending money, you know what I mean, in nightclubs <laughs> and yeah, well I was making money, yeah, I didn't have a great social me going out would have been uh, on a Sunday night having a few pints after work and that was it really yeah I didn't I, I you well behaved yeah but I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think I started drinking really until I was after 21 really yeah that's good I don't think I started smoking until I was 18 whoa which you know I don't I, I always think of everything you know that yeah, like, yeah. like I was 23 when I bought my house Jesus Christ. You know, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Not drink, not smoke. You know? Yeah, you save you money. Know, th that's exactly what happened. You know, when I the crunch came to the crunch, the money was there to put yeah. the deposit down. Where my wife said, oh, yeah, I move it. She was renting in sorts, right? <laughs> Working in the air airline industry and partying, going out, having fun, as you do. But she, we'd made a decision that she'd move back home. And yeah, for a year, and then we should have the savings. Yeah. So I was the one saving, and when the crunch came to crunch, I said, Michelle, how much have you saved? Uh, how much you you did? Yeah. <laughs> nothing. She saved absolutely nothing. But luckily enough, we had the money there. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I suppose. And then I bought the house, and my friends are heading off to Australia. They're heading off to America, and I said to myself. No, I'm going to buy the house. Then 
then I can decide if I want to travel. travel. Because I'd have something to come back to. Yeah. And that was the whole point. And yeah, then obviously we end up getting married, we having kids, and then I end up going nowhere. But did I really miss out? Is up to you to say that. I don't think I did. Yeah. Because I... It's I'm, how you feel. Yeah. You know, never look behind, always look forward. Yeah. Because what's what's behind you is done and dusted. And yeah. You, and you can't dwell on what happened. Oh, damn, I made a mistake yesterday in the kitchen. Uh, cost the company a couple of grand. Well, okay, it happened. But move on. You, you, it will never happen again, like, will you? I, I remember before the 2008, uh, 2008, uh, 2008 crash, uh, majority of my friends, even chefs, they start yeah. to leave the kitchen and they work as a waiters. And I remember one of them, like we used to live all together, we used to live in Grand Canal. Right. You know, like... Essential. Yeah, and nice posh area. Mm. Brand new apartment, nobody ever lived there. <laughs> And then we were renting there like ridiculous money for 2008 yeah, yeah. was over 2,000 euros. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous money, but a beautiful place. Uh, my point here is they were chefs and they went to work as waiters. And they look at me and say, you're stupid. Look what are you doing? Working your ass off. Mm. You know, come back home. Like my knuckles were black. Yeah. My fingers were black because I used to work in the grill. Mm. So every single day I had scrubbed that, cleaned the, the, the canopies. Yeah. Those days the chefs, if you say to say that, they would say, oh my God, I break my nail. And yeah. they run out, yeah, crying. So uh, I remember doing that and the guys come at the end of the week. Whatever they used to make money as a, their salary, yeah. where they, they, they laugh. Because I said, look, what what's that? And at the end of the day, we were there sitting, having a few pints. And the guy saying, you know, like, who made more tips in the end of the mm. night? I remember one of the guys there came and said, I made 500 euros today. And I was sitting there. I said, oh, my God, what I'm doing, what I'm doing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then focus, Ricardo, focus. Yeah, you, yeah. My focus is doing that. Okay, 500 euros was like a. A blue whale. Yeah. A blue whale a Whale is like a white elephant, mm. you know, something or a black swan, something do not exist. But the guys used to make like their 150, 200 euros a day yeah. in tips. That in 2007, 2006, when the minimum wage was six euros something, yeah, yeah seven yeah, euros. Eight, eight, yeah, something like something that, of, like yeah. something ridiculous. Mm. And then when you put it like that, it look as a, he make in six hour shift mm. more money than he would make in a day yeah and then if it, it when you start to pile up the things what the guys used to do okay they were great to me you know like mm. i was in the kitchen they were in the front of house yeah, so yeah. they 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 knew if they talked to me all my pints when i go out was paid for uh, by yeah, them yeah, yeah. so uh, okay that's my ticket uh, i need that asap don't worry yeah. i pass ahead you know this kind of stuff mm. but um like one of them i remember like in six months here the guy save he was living from tips mm. and then just saving he left the country with 10,000 euros yeah and I said what are you doing in six months 10,000 euros yeah living in a Grand Canal fuck off yeah 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 but that's the part like sometimes it's difficult for uh, for us to see that but like mm. uh, when you start to go up uh, like the beginning that's what I tell everyone and the beginning for us is flat and then when you go up you go up yeah or you just keep going slow and slow and make like a belly and you fall yeah. and then it became a flat line. Mm. But uh, uh, it's very difficult to keep in the industry in those days. Yeah, 
Do, do you agree chefs should be given a percentage of tips? Yes. I I kind of was getting tips in my last job. Yeah. Do I agree with it? Me? No, I don't agree with it. Why? And I'll tell you why. Well, if you take your junior staff, the likes of your commie chefs and yeah. that, right? They're not being paid a lot of money, okay? So yeah. if you give them the tips, yeah. you know, once you hit the salary level, yeah, of sous chef, head chef, right? I don't think they should be getting tips. Oh, yes, I agree. Right. Senior you get, less you, you get. get. Yeah, so then the likes of the KPs, which I think is the most important job in any place. Should get the most. Should get the most. Uh, uh, footnote here. Mm. Everywhere I worked, yeah. everywhere, no exception, mm. never got tips. I did. I yeah. never got. Yeah. The, the first head chef position I took, I got tips. So it was like a monthly thing. Yeah. In Ghana House, we'd, we'd have our restaurant. We'd run a five course menu. Uh, and then we'd if we had nobody booked, we'd close. But we'd also do weddings. We'd do corporate events. We'd actually do cookery school. Oh, nice. Yeah. So th that's Did you used to teach there? Or uh, yes. Yeah? We used to do, I used to do bread course. Bread course? Yeah. Whoa, you still make bread no, at home? No, no, no. Oh. no. Uh, it's, it's like anything. Once you deal with fresh yeast, yes, you have to be careful because fresh yeast can, the longer you have it, the less effective it is. More flavor, less effective. Yes, yeah. yes, I understand, so yeah. We, we, what we would do in a corporate event like that is we give them the bread class in mm -hmm. the morning, right? That's smart. And what we do is, whatever breads they make, they eat for their dinner that evening. Nice. So we get them to ball out their, their dough, obviously prove it, da, 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 and then the, the fun part is messing with it, right? So we get them all to ball it out or whatever they want to do, a, a, an old loop-de-loop, an old plat. Yeah. Then we take it in to the kitchen and we cook it. We design the menu for what we were teaching. So whatever they interacted with would be on the menu so that's a clever menu so, idea so yeah that's that kept them oh this the bread i made you know what i mean so yeah it was good if his bed is on you not on yeah, us yeah <laughs> so so well you know i think that talking to customers and being able to have some rapport with people that come into dine is very important mm -hmm. you know like if they want to ask a question don't get me wrong if someone wants to complain I take it constructively. Yes. I would not dismiss it. I only take a complaint if there's three of the same complaint. Oh, I see. Do you understand me? So if if something wasn't right and it was said three times, well, then that causes me yeah, yeah. concern. Because, you know, a perception is a big word I love to use in cooking. 